You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to a very special edition of the Sports Objective. Why? Because we have a very special guest. We'll have the first of all, the director of morale, Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dave. Um, just having a little fun with some of the new features of StreamYard. And I'm uh, seeing if you guys, as well as uh, some of our viewers and listeners, got that reference going back uh, nearly a decade now when Caleb Presley, um, you know, at the University of North Carolina, was the director of morale for the Tar Heels. Well, I, I could say something. I'm not going to take a cheap shot just yet. Hey, Matt Semenza, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Feels like a long time since we've done a uh, a show, but I'm uh, looking forward to catching up with uh, with David and certainly uh, no shortage of topics to talk about. No, when you talk to DG, he's like, uh, you know, there's there are people – like Bubba and Matt, you know, you go, oh, I know a lot about a topic. And then you meet the three guys and you're like, okay, I need to stay up 24 hours a day to try to keep up with these guys. But with us right now, David Glenn, of course, chapelboro.com, professor at UNC Wilmington, and all a great dad, husband with a lovely and talented Maria. How are you, sir? Great to have you back. I'm doing great, guys. It's always fun to be with you. I finally remember all of my previous visits. And y'all know my son was and is a pirate. So I, I continue to follow ECU athletics and of course, state of North Carolina athletics. So it's great to be with you again. So we, um, and in my background there, as you see that I have Clark Eclair only a, a, a week away from the first pitch. Um, you know, I, I have a question for you because you know, the guys I think at baseball America. So we have all these polls, right? And polls don't mean anything. I know that it's great for us to talk about the media, the fans and all that. But for some reason, all the polls include a coach's poll. You have the baseball writers poll, the D1 baseball poll. They've got us like 11th, 12th, 13th, right? And our good friends in Durham, you know how much I love Durham, uh, my hometown. But my friends at Baseball America give us no love at like 24. I'm like, how is it that all these other publications that everybody has is pretty much the same? And then I'm not trying to throw shade at them or hot takes. I'm just wondering Every year, they always put us way low. I kind of like that because that means we're going to overachieve if we can finish like in the top 10 or 15. Um, and I think we do better than when the expectations are in the top 15. But I didn't know if you have any some insight on that of why we get picked every year so low. In I don't know the answer to that. I do know that they're always bragging about college baseball in the state of North Carolina, where they are based and have been based for a long time. So... I am not sure about their view of the Pirates specifically this season or otherwise, but it is fun to just glance. You're right. Polls aren't always right, but people know where the players are and where the coaches are. And the fact that NC State's probably going to be good again and ECU is going to be good again and Carolina is going to be good again and others across the state are going to be good again. Uh, UNC Wilmington is very proud of its baseball program. Oh, Campbell yeah. is really proud of its baseball program, and there are many other examples. So it's fun going into any season 
just knowing that one or more of the teams that you follow has a chance to be special, whether that's a conference championship or a run to the College World Series or whatever, everything is more fun when you have competitive teams that have a chance to do great things. And I think that's the case for a lot of college basketball teams in our state as we speak, uh, but certainly college baseball teams as well. Yeah, so many times, Dave, there, there's such a large discrepancy um, in those college baseball polls. I mean, you have what, five or six polls, so it's not surprising. And my guess for that discrepancy between 11th and 24th, between D1 Baseball and Baseball America, as far as the Pirates are concerned, would be um, the question around shortstop. Um, we know that we have some very capable pieces there, um, but they're largely unproven. And, and uh, so uh, that would be my guess. Maybe, but I still, if you know anything about Cliff Godwin, he, when you have an ace like uh, Jeff Palumbo as his associate head coach, the director of recruiting, I mean, that's almost unfair to other teams because he's that good. He could be a head coach a lot of places. And he even said, immediate DG, the reason why he stays is because it's kind of like a Bill Guthridge, you know, he could have gone anywhere, but he loved Dean Smith. It kind of like the same way with Palumbo with, uh, with Cliff Godwin, he loves what they're doing here. And the fact that they haven't made Omaha in 30-some tries, it's one of those uh, stats like you, uh, David, with uh, Clemson never beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill. It's one of those I'm sick and tired of talking about. Clemson, please beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill so we don't talk about it. The same thing. I'm really tired of talking about over 30 appearances in the NCAA regionals and no Omaha appearance. I'm ready to get that monkey off our back. 33 tries. Thank you, Chuck. I get it, man. You know, heck, you know, my Philadelphia Eagles are playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. And I remember my uncles and my dad and my grandfather talking about how the Eagles were usually so bad. And once they called the NFL championship, the Super Bowl, the Eagles had never won the Super Bowl. So there it was 50 plus years after the creation of this monster that most of America watches called the Super Bowl. And my favorite childhood football team had never won it all. And now I was there five years ago when they did win it all. And I do think there is something to the idea that it, it tastes even better. It feels even sweeter when it takes a while to kick the door down. Um, I, I'm not saying it's not fun to always be the king of the hill. I mean, I'm sure that's fun, too. But uh, when ECU breaks, kicks down that door, it is going to be one hell of a party. I know that. No doubt, and we'll uh, talk about that. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, nice transition, but that's what you do for a living, DG. Uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of storylines. Uh, I missed the DG show, so the fact that you have uh, 57 years, you finally have two starting quarterbacks that are African-American, that are of color. You have uh, the Kelsey uh, brothers playing, which is the first time ever, guys. Can you imagine that, having a sibling? You're playing against your brother is in the Super Bowl, and you're in the Super Bowl. We had it with Harbaugh, with – Two coaches in 2013 with uh, the Ravens and the 49ers, but never two players. There's just so many things. Third time ever in Arizona. Uh, there's so many like storylines. How about the one that uh, they I finally heard yesterday was of Andy Reid playing against the playing against the Eagles. I mean that guy gave his life to the Eagles, and he gets the Super Bowl in 2004. But he finally now has a shot. He could beat the Eagles, and I guess that would be bittersweet for him. Well, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, I can vouch for the fact that Philly fans tend to be very nasty. 
you know, some of those people are my relatives and friends. And most of the time they cheer in the right way. And occasionally they go over the top and get a little too nasty. But it is true that very few former Philadelphia coaches or former Philadelphia athletes are still loved by that fan base. And actually, Andy Reid is on that short list. Now, he never brought the Super Bowl to the Eagles, but he did lead them to one of the greatest stretches in the history of the franchise. So he's one of the rare guys that even after he wears the Eagles colors, the Eagles fans basically like him and support him. Now, that's not going to be the case Sunday, obviously, because he's the opposition. But it is one more of those great angles that you mentioned, Dave. And the one about the Kelseys, keep in mind, it's not just brothers. I mean, it's a cool story just that they're brothers on opposite teams, obviously. But Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs is one of the best tight ends in the NFL in recent years. And Jason Kelsey of the Eagles is just a freak of an offensive lineman. Like the Eagles use their – it sounds boring, right? Your offensive center. How interesting could it possibly be? He is such a good athlete at offensive center that they almost use him like a fullback. And they ask him to quickly get to a certain linebacker that you would never ask a typical center or guard to go after. But the Eagles design plays with the, with the idea that this uber-athletic Pro Bowl center, Jason Kelsey, can do what most centers can't do. So it's brother versus brother, but it's like star brother against star brother at two different positions. And that's just one more reason. Two of the best offenses in the NFL is one more theme. And, you know, whether, you, whether you're looking forward to the commercials or, you know, grandma's bean dip or some other food item that's always at a Super Bowl party, most fans like offense, and we are going to get to see two of the more interesting and prolific offenses in the NFL. No doubt. Yeah. Bubba, do you want to put up some uh, some of the comments yeah. that we don't get behind? Yeah, nice segue there. Um, or kind of lead into talking about the offense. Uh, Jalen Hurts and then obviously Patrick Mahomes on um, the quarterback matchup this year. But Chuck says, I'm diving into the Eagles' past, uh, what are your memories of uh, Ron Jaworski? Jaws. Yeah, it's funny. You know, since it is Super Bowl week, my first real rich memory of the Super Bowl is when Ron Jaworski took the Eagles there. I was probably about 12 years old. And former UNC football coach John Bunting uh, was a member of that Eagles team. That It was really cool meeting him and interviewing him later in my career. Uh, I just never, I never would have thought as a 12 year old watching Ron Jaworski play quarterback or John Bunning play linebacker or some of these other guys that I would later meet in my career as a sports broadcaster. That was crazy to me. But that year, the Eagles did lose to the Raiders. It was pretty convincing. I probably cried as a 12 year old, you know, um, because the Eagles had, the Eagles had been bad for most of the 70s, really bad. And then they hired a guy named Dick Vermeil. Yes, and it sir. was one of those experiments. Could a, could a really high-energy college coach, Vermeil was at UCLA, would he translate to the NFL? And, of course, that question's never really gone away, but that was one of the earlier experiments along those lines. And sure enough, Vermeil, uh, with Jaworski, a running back named Wilbert Montgomery, a tall wide receiver named Harold Carmichael, a pretty good defense. You know, they, they turned that franchise around in the late 70s, and then there they were in the Super Bowl in 1980. I, if I remember correctly, they got whooped by the Raiders in that Super Bowl. But uh, they, they changed the trajectory of the Eagles franchise and gave some really downtrodden fans, you know, 
who were famous for throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and, you know, cheering injuries to opposing players and other horrible things. Uh, it actually gave them something to cheer about for a change. So uh, that was a fun time to be the, an Eagles fan, even though they didn't win at all. I remember that Super Bowl was the second Super Bowl I remember. I remember the um, the Rams and the uh, Steelers was my first in 79 with Mean Joe Green, my favorite commercial of all time. But anyway, that uh, Jim Plunkett was uh, an incredible quarterback. You know, back then it just seems like I'm an old guy, but the quarterback played DG back then. Every team had a great quarterback, even if they were a bad team. It just seems like that was my take. I remember Plunkett picking apart the Eagles. I think I remember a fullback named Kenny King. I mean, when does a fullback ever end up being one of the stars of a Super Bowl? I'm sure it's happened more than once, but I'm pretty sure my memory is is solid on this one. Like a little rinky-dink screen pass to Kenny King in the flat somehow goes for 80 yards, and it was the back-breaking play for – a. Uh, an Eagles team that was pretty good defensively, um, but just got picked apart by Jim Plunkett that day. David, you know, when I think of the Eagles back in the day, I think of Ron Jaworski. I mean, he became an amazing analyst for ESPN. I, I always enjoy Jaws. But my lasting memory of him as a player, and it sounds terrible, but was watching Lawrence Taylor come off the edge mm. and just deliver, I mean, some of the most iconic sacks you know, when you watch NFL films or LT coming off the edge, and it just seemed like it seemed like the Eagles had no answers for him back in the early 80s. And Jaws, I think, took the brunt of that. I think you're right, Matt. And one thing I remember about the Eagles is that they perpetually had offensive line problems. You know, and you can have a talented quarterback and you can have other really good players or a good defense or whatever. If you can't block you can hide it for a while, but eventually it comes back to haunt you. And I just remember years where if you made a list of the Eagles' strengths and weaknesses, number one on the weaknesses was often the offensive line. And that did make for some long days for Ron Jaworski. There's no doubt about it. And even Randall Cunningham after him. Everybody remembers he was a great athlete. Part of the reason he needed to be a great athlete is because he was running for his life half the time. Yeah, those are some of my earliest memories of the Eagles. Um, Buddy Ryan, uh, yep. Reggie White, and then um, Randall Cunningham that you just referenced. Yeah, those were fun teams too. I mean, Buddy Ryan was a piece of work just as a personality and, and uh, obviously a great architect of defenses, but he was always taunting the Cowboys and he would get in trouble for, you know, stories about how he'd put a bounty on opposing players' heads just to get his defensive players fired up, which of course was against the NCAA or the NFL rules at the time. And I would think still is again against yeah. the rules. That's and everybody knew Buddy did it. I mean, everybody denied it, but it was exactly Buddy's personality. That's exactly the way he did things. He was unapologetic. He was in your face. He was aggressive. That's how his defensive plays, but the, uh, defense played, but that's also what his personality was like. So again, it's another example where the Eagles did not ultimately break through and win it all. But after so many years of, you know, four wins or two wins, or there were times the Eagles were the laughing stock of the NFL when I was a really little kid in the early 70s. Um, those were two of the sort of peak moments where the Eagles didn't win at all, but they were playoff caliber teams for a few years in a row. And everybody, I mean, only one team holds the trophy at the end. So 
if you're a playoff caliber team, it beats the heck out of being everybody's doormat. Justin Butts and Richard Allsbrook chiming in on Facebook on one of the reasons that I'm pulling for the Eagles. Um, perhaps even the primary reason is, is Limbo Joseph, who played under Skip Holtz and then uh, forwent his final year of eligibility um, in 2010 uh, under Ruffin McNeil. And um, Linville, of course, has been with uh, several teams, and he signed with the Eagles back in mid-November. Um, I think about a $750,000 deal, and uh, we'd love to see Linville get a Super Bowl ring. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's easy to forget the, the only thing that could have derailed this Eagles season. And remember, with Jalen Hurts, they've only lost one game. The other two games they lost this season, Hurts was hurt. Um, it's easy to forget because their numbers have been so dominant. There was a time early this season you saw them lose to Washington, but it wasn't just that one game. There were three or four weeks in a row where teams were just running up the middle on the Eagles. And the Eagles were having a hard time getting off the field defensively. And it's hard to pick up quality players in the middle of the season or, or just find the solution among your backups or whatever. But it was part Linville Joseph, proud ECU grad. It was part... They acquired Indomitian Sioux, you know, relatively far into the regular season. And what had been just a gaping hole in their defense. They were rushing the passer well from their ends. They were getting great play from their secondary. But teams were just keeping Jalen Hurts off the field by, by running up the middle and moving the chains and eating up the clock. So credit to those guys for, for changing the Eagles' defense midstream, what was a massive problem found a solution eventually and now the Eagles are a pretty darn well-rounded defense and I think I think it's going to take a Houdini act by Patrick Mahomes the only way the Chiefs can beat the Eagles to me and of course it's possible is if Mahomes you know maybe his ankle is healthier than they have said and, and he just kind of eludes the rush you know the Eagles are not great against quarterbacks that scramble and extend plays. That's the one thing that's hurt them. So obviously Mahomes at his best is capable of that. So it'll be interesting to see how agile he is with that ankle because I don't see, you know, other than those scramble plays, I just don't see a lot of weak areas for the Chiefs to attack, even though their offense is obviously dynamic. Let's bring in now Kyle from LaGrange Barber. And what's up, my friend? You know, I was, I was starting to wonder if I was invisible. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> you know, I wanted to say my, the comments. my favorite memory, my favorite, my, my earliest and favorite memories of the Eagles would probably be Hotel California, Desperado, take it easy. <laughs> favorite Eagle would be Don Henley, you know. Just, <laughs> are we allowed to say Super Bowl or do we have to say big game? Super Bowl. <laughs> no, we say Super Bowl. Okay. Well, as long as we're not selling anything with Super Bowl as part of the title, yeah. we're, off, we're off the hook. It just cracks me up. That's one of the things that cracks me up when you always hear, come to whatever sports bar for the big game, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Is it just, you know, I, I get it, but it, they have to do it, but it's just, come on, man. It's very lame. And we, I know an attorney that may be able to help us out um, that's on the show right now. And there's only it, It's funny. I wonder, I wonder if y'all had promoted this publicly as like the super bowl edition of the sports Sports objective like theoretically i think they might have been able to come after you for that because again we can say it as often as we want because this is just editorial commenting we're just all sharing our thoughts if you used it as a sales pitch 
Oh, okay. This is the Super Bowl edition. You know, when you're using it for commercial purposes, that's when they can come after you. Well, yeah. well, David, you know, David, we just blame it all on Bubba. So, you know, yeah. I, morale. I volunteer to do pro bono work, which means free in case you didn't know. Yeah. Free, free legal advice uh, if they come after you guys. OK, sounds sounds very good. Kyle, what is your favorite memory of the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, I'm not a big NFL guy. Um, so I want to say something funny like Janet Jackson's nip slip, but, uh, (laughs) I, uh, you know, I don't know, probably, honestly, favorite Super Bowl memories would be growing up. Actually, it's going to be more personal. It would be growing up, going to my uncle Wade's Super Bowl parties, uh, just being a kid there, watching all the adults gamble and drink. And he would always cook a pig, have a pig picking and, you know, eating barbecue and just being in that atmosphere was always fun as a kid. Um, even though, you know, as a kid, you really don't care about the game, just, just being in that atmosphere, being around everybody, having fun, uh, would probably be my, my my biggest Super Bowl memories. Well, what's happened is since I've become an adult, my team doesn't go to the Super Bowl. When I was a kid, I had three in a decade, four in a decade. So that's what's hard for me is that I don't want to grow up. You know, I don't want to be an adult because when I was a kid, we were winning. So. Yeah, I remember the Super Bowl, and this is, shows you my lack of NFL knowledge, but the, the skin Super Bowl, I remember the quarterback was Ripken. Yeah. 91. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that that one I remember. But yeah, January of '92, and that's the last time. There's a lot of uh, a lot of years, lean, lean years. Um, so hopefully, Daniel Snyder will sell the team. He and his wife, please sell the team. Please yeah. sell the team. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a guy that uh, DG hangs out with, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. I understand. So he's the uh, guy that's rumored to buy the team. He's got a lot of money. Yeah, DG's high roller with those guys, so maybe yeah, right. And um, or how about uh, Tom Dundon? You know him? I do know Tom Dundon personally, maybe, but maybe I can't say that there's a long list of billionaires that I you know that I hang around with. That's a pretty darn short list. That's one more and, billionaire. And, and for the record, those guys have more money that they've forgotten in their couch cushions. You know that then uh, I I would comprehend. Trust me. Who do you think the worst? Just just, just since we're talking NFL, just for the hell of it. Who do you think the worst owner in the uh, in the in the league is? DJ. I think it's got to be Daniel Snyder. Thank you. Yes. I mean yeah. he he's bad for public relations. He's he's been shown to just be dishonest. He's just been shown to be selfish, uh, manipulative, obviously incompetent. Um, yeah, I mean when you're bad on the field and you're bad off the field, it just doesn't get much worse than that. There, there are other bad ones, though. I just think Snyder might be the worst of the bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I'm hoping he sells the team because uh, we have, what is it, two or three? I think it may be three playoff appearances. And out of the last 20-some years, I think there's been like 20 quarterbacks. You know, you can't win, as you talk about all the time about NFL and quarterback play, you can't win a Super Bowl if you've had like as many years as you have quarterbacks, do you think Dave, 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 Dave Richmond, do do you think, um, and Dave did DG and anybody else wants to comment, but, um, you know, looking at, I, you know, I don't know. I know the, the, the most valuable NFL franchise is the Dallas Cowboys. At one time, despite their success, I would think the Redskins would have been up there. Do you think, do you think that the name change for, as far as merchandise, et cetera, hurts their value in terms of, um, well, their value. <laughs> no, to my understanding, it's uh, they've stayed the same. I, I see where you're going with that, but um, the reality is they were unfortunately, and I'm not going to go off on that 
tangent how I feel about the name change, but I will say they were going to lose a whole bunch of sponsors. They were going to lose a whole bunch of money on that route of things. But um, my understanding, DG, help me out, but they uh, the Broncos sold for a whole bunch recently, and the Redskins, now Commanders, is worth way more than the Broncos. That's correct, yes. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you got to study that over a period of years to know if the name change really hurt you. Obviously, there's a bonus at the beginning of a name change for merchandising reasons. Oh. Anybody who wants the new coffee cup, the new you know authentic jersey, the new T-shirt, the new snow cap, the whatever, most people are going to convert. And there's usually there's usually a big burst after a name change, unless somebody has a philosophical objection and is angry about the name change. But um, yeah, overall, it, it usually doesn't hurt. But we'll see. And and yes, Washington because of its history, because of that past success. I know it's been a long time, but people care. You know, that's the bottom line is how many people care about your franchise. And as much as I love the Carolina Hurricanes, um, you can tell from TV ratings and things of that sort that not as many people care about the Hurricanes as care about, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. You aren't always good, but people wake up every day talking about hockey in Toronto. And in our state, there's, you know, 15 different sports we could be talking about. So part of its demographics, part of its history – but I would assume that even with their misery on the field, Washington still has to be among the, I don't know, six to eight most valuable NFL franchises. And obviously, if you're one of the most valuable NFL franchises, you're one of the most valuable American sports franchises because yeah. the NFL tends to be more valuable than most others. It was crazy to me. I was uh, on, 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 on all podcasts, uh, podcast me and Dave listened to Jim Cornette. I don't know if you know who that is, DJ, but he uh, yes. they were talking about the value of NFL franchise because they were talking about Tony Khan, owner of AEW, son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the value of the Jaguars versus the Cowboys. The Jaguars is the least valuable team in the NFL, but still, it was only like $2 billion different. I was like, only $2 billion. <laughs> but you, 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 you would think that the Cowboys would be worth like so much more. And I guess it is because when you get into billions, $2 billion is a lot of money. But I, I thought I thought the difference would be even greater. Yeah, for some reason, I think I thought the difference was greater. But I'd, they, I'd they, have could to, have, they could have had bad numbers. So, you know, I, I'd have to double check that. But you're, I mean, we we actually talk about this in my class at UNC Wilmington, where we just dive into sports from so many different angles. The long story short is, the wealthiest, most lucrative professional sports organization in the history of the world. Be is the current version of the National Football League. And oh, it's sure. not even close. Like two two and three are the NBA and Major League Baseball, and, and they're not even close in terms of their annual revenue. You know, the NFL's trending toward um, insane numbers. And as a lot of people talked about how, you know, they were losing popularity and they were swirling down the drain and they were alienating their fans and there's too many penalties, guess what? They doubled the value of their TV contract. So anybody trying to sell the nonsense that the NFL is swirling down the drain has some kind of a weird agenda that has nothing to do with the truth. What 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 would be the most or is the Cowboys the most valuable franchise in the world? I would think the Yankees would be up there. They're they're both up there. They are both up there. I forget the there. Manchester United is way up there. Like one of the soccer, a couple of the soccer teams are 
in the Premier League are way up there with the Cowboys, the the Yankees. Uh, I, I know the Commanders is down there, uh, maybe top ten, top fifteen. Like it's somewhere in there, but um, but I know those off the top of my head. Yeah, and those are the four most lucrative leagues in the world: NFL, NBA, MLB, English Premier League Soccer. In that order. So you'd think that the fr- the top franchises in each of those four sports are going to be the ones dominating those lists. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the NBA, I'm praying for um, the Hornets to be good. And uh, my buddy, Matt Semenza, Matt, can DG's big in the NBA. I've got to, I'm praying for your Knicks. Uh, David, the one thing I'm like, uh, Charlotte, you can argue, but there's no reason the Knicks should be bad having the best basketball facility in the whole world with Madison Square Garden. Speaking of TV deals with the, uh, with the New York Knicks, I mean, it's just terrible that they uh, – you would think they would be better. The league would be a lot better if the Knicks were better. But I'm not a Knicks fan. I just feel bad for Semenza. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? We're starting to play some decent ball here. Um, we're actually in fifth place in the East. We made a nice little trade today. We offloaded Cam Reddish for uh, Josh Hart, who was a former Villanova player. Um, so I actually believe it or not, fellas, for the first time in many years, I, I feel like we're at least a decent team. Um, probably a first round exit in the playoffs, but at least we're competitive. Um, but it's certainly not like I grew up in the days of you know, uh, Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley and John oh, yeah. Starks, and we're just trying to get back to that, that type of level. And, um, DG, I'll ask this question about the NBA and then I will throw it back to Bubba for NFL. Um, as far as LeBron James, great that he does a scoring title. But the one thing I'll say about LeBron, and I'm not really a hater like some folks, is if he wanted to win more championships like Jordan did, do like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. You, um, guy has like over 30-some million a year, and he's wondering why he can't get a surrounding cast because we're paying you, LeBron. I mean, that's why my frustration with him is not anti him, but just wish he would share the love so they could get better players. And I'm not even a Lakers guy. Yeah, he definitely did that in Miami, and that was part of how he won. You know, he added to his list of titles, right? They weren't going to be able to pull off the Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron thing unless he took less money than he could have made elsewhere. But, yeah, obviously the NBA being a salary cap league, uh, those astronomical numbers that he took with the Lakers, it's complicated, right? I mean, you everybody likes making money, but in any salary cap sport, the bigger percentage of that cap you take up personally, the harder it is for them to build a team around you. I mean, it's not mere coincidence on the NFL side. Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback who has not yet had his big payday. So how do the Eagles build around him? Well, he's still on his rookie deal. Instead of paying you know, Tom Brady-type money, you're, I forget his number, but it's a very low number compared to the 20-some million astronomical numbers that some of the veteran quarterbacks make. And it works that way in the NBA as well. Um, I still think LeBron is somewhere in the top five greatest NBA players ever. I know not everybody feels that way, but uh, after Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to me, LeBron enters the conversation pretty quickly. And four, four NBA titles, four finals MVPs I think it's almost he's almost at 20 straight all-star games I mean like that's that's insane to be that good for that long I I got an interesting NBA combat and and then something I've noticed over the years um is there a player that has become more popular and made more money since his career ended than Shaquille O'Neal 
Shaquille hmm. O'Neal may be the most beloved sports personality in the world oh, yeah. now. Everybody loves Shaq. He, when he was a player, he was. I remember people a lot of people hated him as much as they loved him. Now everybody loves him. He does Papa John's and and he, he, he you see him on social media always doing charitable acts. I believe Shaquille O'Neal is a bigger star now than he was as a player. And how about Charles Barkley? He makes ten million dollars to run his mouth every year on TNT. I mean, come on, ten million. Yeah, but Charles isn't as beloved as Shaq. Everybody loves Shaq now. I'll tell you, I love Barkley. I really do. One of the reasons why I like him so much is because he's not afraid to take shots at NBA players. <laughs> yeah, sure. and, and I think it's fantastic because some of these guys, we all know, you know, they get their contracts and then, you know, during the regular season, you know, in the dog days of like January and February, they're dogging it on defense. And and I just love Barkley because he'll, he'll call them out in a second. He'll trash them on live TV. And it's just, it's refreshing. You know, there's not a lot of guys who have the guts to do it. I agree agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, pulling aside the curtain of the wizard of Oz here, but when you have a public platform, large or small, there is an upside to being bold with your comments and your criticisms. And there is a downside to it. There's no doubt about it. And where you draw that line can help you or hurt you. And I think, you know, one of the reasons Shaq is more universally beloved than Charles is, is that Shaq is less likely to take to make those bold criticisms. Charles, even as a player, was unafraid of doing or saying anything. I mean, he that's why the Philly fans loved him when he was with the Sixers. He, he is he he feels like human truth serum, like whatever he thinks he's actually going to say. And I've, I'm a pretty fairly bold broadcaster i don't say everything that i think right i mean there's a risk to that and especially when you have platforms the size that those guys have you know every criticism of an nba player is going to get back to that player obviously and then you got to deal with those repercussions charles just doesn't seem to care about the repercussions it's going to do it his way which i which i respect one of these days we're gonna have charles barkley on the podcast matt mccarthy's gonna make it happen for us (laughs) that would be awesome Awesome. Podcast gold, no doubt about it. You want to go back to the NFL, Bubba? Very quickly, um, because we had a couple comments, and then I know Matt had some interesting information for us uh, regarding franchises in 2022. Uh, But Richard Osbrook, who just chimed in uh, regarding uh, the owner conversation, saying, David Tepper, please buy the commanders. We can hit the owner reset button in Carolina. Um, no, he's the new Jerry Jones. No way, no way. <laughs> but um, since you brought up the Carolina Panthers, wanted to get your thoughts, BG, if you have any on the hiring of Frank Reich. Yeah, I like the Frank Reich hire. Frank Reich was the Eagles' offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl against Brady five years ago. And remember, that was with Nick Foles after the Carson Wentz debacle. So. It's impressive to me when an offensive coordinator can ride through those bumps and and still help his team to a Super Bowl championship with a backup quarterback, not just a backup quarterback, but Foles became a star and just had insane numbers that year. And I think Frank Reich's track record at Indianapolis was more good than bad. When, when he had Andrew Luck as a starting quarterback, he made the playoffs. When Luck shocked everybody and retired, the Colts missed the playoffs. Then the Colts got Phillip Rivers, and Frank Reich turned them back into a playoff team. And then no more Rivers and no more playoffs. So to me, when he's had the pieces, he has cashed in. 
uh, and that along with the track record with the Eagles as an offensive coordinator, uh, David Tepper said he wanted an offensive guy. And, and I, there's some controversy about how Steve Wilkes did not get the full-time job. Let's be real. Yes, Steve Wilkes is a minority trying to get a head coaching job in a league that doesn't have a lot of minorities. But if David Tepper philosophically wanted an offensive guy as his next coach, well, then Steve Wilkes's coordinator title, which is defense, uh, has a hell of a lot more to do with the, the ultimate conclusion than the color of his skin. Um, so, and I understand David Tepper wasn't just going off the cuff with his choice of an offensive guy. Guess what? Nick Sirianni, the Eagles offensive background, Andy Reid of the chiefs offensive background. The majority of the teams that have done the best in recent years are led by offensive minded coaches. So tell, I mean, uh, Tepper's not pulling that out of thin air. It's he's paid a lot of money for that franchise. If he wants a head coach who has an offensive background, he has every right to hire that head coach with an offensive background. And Frank Reich, of course, a former quarterback, led some amazing historical comebacks, college and pro. Um, that's part of his resume, too. Uh, I, I see why the Panthers did it, and I thought he was one of the best candidates out there. And, it, and this uh, with the Wilkes was certainly the sentimental favor, but like you said, DG. When you look at the history of the Panthers, uh, except for Seifert, uh, every Dom Capers, the original coach, like every coach I can think of, have a, has a defensive Ron Rivera a defensive background, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, are we forgetting everybody? Anybody? No, I think you're right. That was a run of defensive coaches. Real quick in the comments section, Richard Allsbrook is the father of one of my former yep. interns. Yeah, we're so going to bring that up. Quick shout out to Richard. Uh, his daughter, Julia, seriously, is an extremely impressive young person. So I hope she's doing well. I fondly remember her time with us. She's a great representative of your family. So thanks for being with us tonight, and, and thanks for sending your daughter to the David Glenn Show back in the day. She must have got for her mom. <laughs> I wouldn't know those details, but I can tell you, Julia's the real deal. She's she's a really impressive young person. No doubt, no doubt about it. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some hurricanes too while we have a chance, because um, Kyle Barber can chime in with me for the concert thing. I was telling. Uh, oh, yeah. So the tickets now for I was telling you, DG. I'm happy that my team is winning, right? So my yeah. kids are like, hey, so dad. Um, when are we going to Hurricanes game? So I keep like checking and checking and checking. The three hundred, the nosebleeds are. Dave, going. Dave, let me let me check when teacher night is, and okay. uh, and I can let Jessica you just reimburse us for the tickets. That's a good idea. That's a yeah. good idea. There's all sorts of special nights, and oh. I, I think if the Canes were not so good this year, Dave. You know, and I know this is a season ticket. I'm a partial season ticket holder. I'm, the guy I share him with goes to more games than I do, but uh, he's old and retired and independently wealthy, so he can go all the time. Uh, but the better the Canes are, the fewer of the midseason and late season discounts you see. That's just the reality. It's like, you know, there's a laws of supply and demand. So uh, you'll have to find one of those side doors like a teacher's night uh, and buy through your friends. But, um, you should you should get them there. That would be cool. And and keep in touch with me on that because I don't get as as many tickets falling into my lap as I did for about twenty years when I was hosting a radio show. But it still does happen from time to time, and I'd be happy to help you out. Is, is there a scalp? Is there a big scalping market for for premium Kane oh tickets? Gosh. 
Yeah, like I was saying, the 300 section, check this out, Kyle. The 300 section DG and I were talking about, I believe, retails for the $30 range. I mean, they're way, way, way up there. Yeah, and section three. Yeah. Stanley Cup. And um, not that, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like now it's going from 30 because they're good to the secondary market. It's like I'm checking it out. Like every time I check out for a game, it's like 150 a ticket. Yeah, I, I know scalping has become outrageous with concerts. And I, at PNC, and, and we're getting off on a tangent here, but at PNC for concerts, it's not as bad as Live Nation venues. Live Nation doesn't own PNC. Um, Live Nation venues, it, it, now we're talking concerts exclusively, it, it is it has become an, an epidemic with the scalping. I mean, it literally more tickets are scalped than bought by the, the general public. And uh, I don't know what Live Nation is going to do about that, but I've noticed that specifically trying to get tickets at, uh, say, Walnut Creek, for example, versus Greensboro Coliseum or PNC. It is so much easier for concerts to get them at PNC or Greensboro Coliseum. Um, they're not all gone to the secondary market and being scalped. And the only thing that I can conclude is because they're not Live Nation venues. Well, the only the only concert, DG, you'll love this because you and I in the in that age bracket would love these two bands. The only decent priced concert with good acts would be um, coming at, Wal- up- at Walnut Creek. Walnut Creek, I'm sorry. Yeah, is uh, September 15th. It's Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top, and it's like I think the uh, twenty nine dollars for the lawn seats. Yeah, it, it, and for whatever, and I think that has to do with supply and demand. But uh, I, I bought tickets for Eric Church and Cody Jenks at Walnut Creek and spent three hundred and fifty bucks on crappy tickets, and mm. it's, it's just unbelievable. I, I'm going to Greensboro Coliseum see Brooks and Dunn, you know, uh, a couple other shows. Spent half that for better seats, and uh, yeah, the, something's got to be done. I, you know, scalping used to be, you know, you had to sell things at face value. That's not the case. Over the- yeah, yeah that's not the case with the internet now. It's, it's, it, it, something needs to be done because it's, it's, it's getting to where, uh, at least with concerts, scalpers, and particularly Live Nation venues again, are buying the majority of the tickets. And I don't know how people afford to pay the scalpers' prices. I, I really don't. I, Tyler Childers is going to oh. be at Red Hat, which is another Live Nation venue. And I want to go, but I'll be damned if I'm going to spend $400 a ticket. True. Here's what they're doing, uh, DG. This is a, I'm sorry, and we'll get back to. Uh, Matt has that list in just a second. But this is a great story for you, DG. If I were a writer, I would t- totally run with this. Here's what they're doing. So they've got, you know, they everybody felt sorry for them. They lost all this money Live Nation did during COVID. Well, all of a sudden now, these bots are buying up all the tickets. And yep. you don't even get a chance to buy a regular ticket anymore. It's automatically on the secondary market. There's something going on there. Where there's smoke, there's fire like the cliche. Oh, it's definitely. definitely. Uh, but there's something going on there that's just not right. And anyway... Dave, I had pre-sale. I had the pre-sale code for sorry, DJ. I had the pre-sale code for Eric Church and Cody Jenks, and I was there when they went on sale during the pre-sale before the general public. And literally, I would click on a seat, and it would be sold while I was clicking on it. Nobody, wow. no human can be faster than another human that fast. <laughs> had to be bots. But, it's um, real quick on that. There's multiple layers to it. One is some of these companies, like a Ticketmaster, like a Live Nation are so huge that they do monopolistic things that drive yep. up the prices. And I know there are other ticket companies out there trying to compete, but when you have such a large share of the market. When you, you own the venues. Yeah, exactly. You throw your weight around in a way that 
is very anti-competitive, and th- there are American laws designed to deal with this stuff. It's just a matter of, yeah. of whether they're applied or not. Now, the, the whole, you know, bots buying on, on behalf of scalpers, that's a separate issue. But uh, even some of the uh, even some of the performers have been frustrated with this. And every once in a while, a performer steps out and says, I'm not using y'all anymore. I, I, I need my fans to be able to afford to go to my concerts. And, and every once in a while, they'll just do an end around on the traditional way of buying or selling tickets but to make a point. But that's, you know, the exception, not the rule. It's frustrating for everybody, for sure. I really believe Live Nation is, is controlling those bots and they're buying their own tickets and then reselling them on the secondary market. I really believe that. I, I do, too. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but something is going there. Hey, Matt. You've been patiently waiting. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent there, my friend. Just frustrated oh, no with our support group about high ticket prices, but you had the list for the top franchises, right? Yeah. So when you guys brought up this conversation, I found I was pretty intrigued by it. And so I pulled up an article. This is from Forbes. This is the 50 most valuable sports teams in 2022. So I'll just give you the top eight. For me, there's really only one big surprise here, but. Obviously, number one, the Dallas Cowboys. You guys had that hit that right on the head at eight billion dollars. Number two to me is kind of a shocker, and that would be the New England Patriots at six point four billion. It's a little surprising to me. Um, then you have the Los Angeles Rams, the New York Yankees, the New York Giants, the New York Knicks. So you get the three. Obviously, you get the New York market. The Chicago Bears at six the Golden State Warriors, and then the Washington Commanders come in at $5.6 billion, right, right before the Lakers. So, Where did so the Cubs go. fall on that list, uh, Matt? What's that? Cubs. Say again, Kyle? Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs. Let's see. I uh, might be scrolling down here. By the way, the Eagles are number 16. All right. As I'm looking through here. Um Let's see Chicago Cubs. Here we go. Number 34 at 3.8 billion. And, and, and I would think if they had more success, they would be higher because they do have a huge national fan base like myself. But uh the lack of success is probably keeping them down a little. It's the problem of the league. The major league baseball has a huge problem of now gimmicks like we we're talking about in college baseball, where they're doing hits blocks and everything. Most fans that if they don't like baseball. They're not going to watch it. A pitch clock is not going to bring them to watch the games to try to shorten it up. I just, I think it's just a really bad gimmick, but that's my personal opinion on that. I'm not. Matt, forgive me if you said this. Um, What about the the Red Sox? Did you say the Red Sox? Uh, Let me give you the Red Sox. And I'll I'll tell you just of note since, you know, Carolina, but the Panthers come in at number 39. I'm surprised Uh, they made it. Yeah. Uh, Boston Red Sox. So this is why I was a little surprised by the. The Patriots are number two. The Boston Red Sox are number 30 at $3.9 billion. So, I think that just shows the difference between the NFL and the Major, and major League Baseball. I'm telling you, I'm telling you baseball, sure does. Yep. baseball has got to do something, but it's not the pitch clock to get more fans. I just uh, – I don't think that's uh, – that's not the – the pitch clock is not why they're, what, the third or fourth uh, – I guess the third best league in the professional league. Now, I think Major League Baseball, um, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but – I think a shorter season. I think what they did during the COVID year, maybe not that short, but I think less games would get people's interest more. There's so many games, and you know, I think that's what makes football so special. There's few games, college and pro. 
I think if Major League Baseball had a shorter schedule, I think people would be more interested. What do you think, DG? There's an argument for scarcity, and it's made most often in baseball, right? You know, if you're an ECU football fan, you know you're only going to have, what, six, seven home games, right? Yep. If you're a fan of the New York Yankees, you have 81 options yep. just in the regular season, right? Um, and that's a lot. So, you know, the NBA and the NHL are around that 80 or so game mark. That works for those sports. 162 is a marathon, man. Um, and you know how it is. Leagues hesitate to cut back. Um, they've got their bean counters figuring out, you know, whether there'd be more demand for a slightly shorter schedule. But anything that doesn't increase their bottom line, they're going to be nervous about. Uh, you know, broadcasting rights, of course, shrink a little bit if you shrink the season. Um but uh, baseball has an issue. There's no doubt about it. Whereas the NFL has been growing exponentially and NBA is on the upswing. Uh, other leagues around the world, many soccer leagues, even major league soccer in our country has been on the upswing. Yep. Uh, the, the NHL has been on the upswing. Baseball is the one that's plateaued quite a bit. It's still very popular, but it's not growing at the same rate that other some of those other leagues are, and that's why they're scrutinizing everything all the way down to the pitch clock. Do you think increasing playoff teams even more? I think it would have to create more interest because more teams would be competing, competing down the stretch, just simple mathematics. If they would expand the playoffs more, um, maybe shorten the regular season, expand the playoffs more, uh, that would probably help a lot. Yeah, you always get more money from your TV partners for a larger playoff. And the other thing it does is it keeps more teams in the race for a longer period of time, yep. right? If, exactly. there's more, if there's more spots up for grabs, you're not buried halfway through July or whatever. Uh, you might still have a fighting chance to get that last wild card or whatever. So there's an upside to it. And each league is dealing with that a little bit differently, right? The baseball, <clears throat> we're already at the point where more than – what is it, roughly – the NBA has tweaked this, but more than half of NHL teams make the playoffs, right? If it's 16 yep. out of 30 or 31, that's more than half. Yep. Uh, the NBA with those, those tweaked early first round games, that's it's more than half baseball and the NFL have hesitated to grow to the point where, you know, more than half or, or even close to half are getting in. Uh, but even the NCAA men's basketball tournament, guys, there's a legitimate debate as we speak of going beyond. Uh, it's been 64 slash 68 since 1985. That's um, so very slight growth with that addition of those four teams at some point along the way. But that's what, 35 years or 37 years of, yep. of 64 or 68. And uh, a lot of people want to make it bigger. And, of course, the TV partners are saying they'll pay more for a bigger tournament. Rooney from D1 Baseball, we had him on the other day, and he was talking about college baseball. Uh, considering expanding uh, to, what did he, What was it, 74 teams, Dave? Or Bubba, what, it was 70-some teams. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was more than the than what we have now. And that, you know, I, I guess I could argue with, uh, with uh, basketball. ESPN wants, um, off the top of my head, DG, 96 teams or something like that. And um, maybe I sound like football, like college football uh, people, but I just thought 96 was a little much. Well, you're just uh, combining the NIT with the, with the NCAA is what they're doing. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. 
I, I agree. I, th I think it's a little bit much. And I think you really run the risk of damaging the regular season when you go that far with it. You know, I think college football right now, I think they've done a great thing by expanding. Right. But you don't want to take it too far because you don't want to lose the importance of the regular season. So I, I think March Madness is as close to a perfect product as you can get in sports. And I say just leave it just for one. Just let's just leave it alone. I agree with Matt on that. It is as close to perfect as we have in all of sports. You know, the world stops. Even a pro city like I grew up in in Philadelphia, where seriously for 11 months, college basketball is not on podcasts. It is not on WIP, the big sports radio station up in Philly. It's just kind of an afterthought because you have the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NF NBA and the, and the NHL. So college sports have a tough time getting on the front page, so to speak. But even in places like New York, Philly, L.A., man, it, it, the March Madness matters. And, you know, we all know it comes down to money. And when college presidents need a new pot of gold, they start looking around for a way to get that pot of gold. Um, but competitively, I've always thought, philosophically speaking, if you ever get to the point where you think you might be leaving out a potential national champion, that's when you should consider expanding. But remember that the lowest seed ever to win the NCAA tournament is an eight seed. Villanova. As Villanova in 1985. Very good work. Uh, and, of course, Carolina came close to matching that last year as an eight seed losing in the title game. But, you know, the final, the final teams that get in at large are like 11 seeds. So it's, it's not like, you know, no 11 seed, 10 seed has ever made. I mean, they've made it to the final four in rare examples, but uh, I've never gotten the feeling that one was good enough to win the national title. If we got to that point of parity, then, then I think competitively you'd be, you would look at expansion, but I don't think we're there right now. Let's talk about parity in the regular season. You obviously cover the ACC probably better than anyone. I will argue that against anyone, but um Man, it's, uh, I was telling someone the other day, and they, I guess I showed my age, but help me out on this. The last time Clemson won the regular season, I believe <laughs> off the top of my head, was 1987? Uh, I believe it was 90. I'll, I feel horrible if I'm letting you down on that. Um, and that is in my years covering the league, so I should know that. I'm pretty sure it's 1990, but it was, those, it was that Cliff Ellis era where – and Dave, it's not only the last time, it's the only time. Right, right. In 70 years of ACC basketball, Clemson has finished in first place once, and Clemson has never won the ACC tournament. Correct. So they have a chance. I don't think they're going to do it. But the bottom line for the ACC this year, like last year, is that it's just not a very good regular season. It's just not. You know, Virginia is the only team anywhere near the national top 10. Duke and Carolina have had their moments in the top 25. The Wolfpack is in the top 25. Miami is pretty good. It's just, I mean, for decades, you expected to see five or six ACC teams in the top 25. You Guys, there was a, I think it was a 29-year period where 26 of 29 years, the ACC provided at least one of the number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. So, of course, there's four number one seeds every year. 26 times in 29 years, the ACC had at least one, sometimes more than one. There were times that the ACC had three of the four. 
Uh, it has not been that way since the year the COVID, of course, canceled the 2020 tournament. In 2021, the ACC had no ones, no twos, and no threes. And last year, it was Duke as a number two seed, and then Carolina was the next highest seed as an eight. So this is a three-year trend where the ACC has been down in the regular season. That does not prevent you from being great in the postseason. Last year, the, the ACC got beat up for having a down year for four straight months, and it was accurate criticism. Nobody was making anything up. When you don't produce but one number two seed, and, and Carolina was went from the bubble to making as an eight, and they're your second highest-ranked team, it's a down year by ACC standards. But it didn't prevent Miami, Duke, and Carolina from being three of the final eight, and it didn't predict, prevent Duke and Carolina from being two of the final four. So they saved their, their season, in a sense, with a great March Madness run. We'll see if they have something in that again this year. Um, but that's the only thing that's going to change the narrative because right now the ACC is just not what it usually is in men's basketball. Let's talk about uh, ACC football. I know the schedule recently came out and Mac Brown was complaining. I guess uh, the the trend is to get rid of divisions because that way you have your two top teams play, uh-huh. which I really don't have a problem with that. But uh, what were your thoughts on that with ACC? I know we talk East Carolina a lot, but you're ACC expert. What is your take on that? Well, they definitely did it because they don't want a bad matchup in the ACC title game. Yep. And there was a year, a couple years ago, I don't have all these numbers off the top of my head, but just picture the Big Ten championship game drawing, you know, 10 or 12 million people. And the SEC championship game, I'm talking TV audience, 10 or 12 million people. And the ACC championship game, seriously now, drew like 3 million people. Wow. Because it was, it was Wake Pitt. Wake Forest against Pitt. So nothing against those two programs. They had good years that year. But there was no Clemson. There was no other brand name. And the TV ratings just collapsed as a result. So if you do away from div- with divisions, you know, whoever your two best teams are, you can match them up. And like next year, for example, the, going into 2023, the, the ACC's best bets are, as usual, the Clemson Tigers, but also the Florida State Seminoles. And it's been a while since both were really, really good. Jimbo Fisher 10 years ago led Florida State to the national title, but the Seminoles have been mostly down since then. Mike Norvell went into last year at FSU on the hot seat. Now, he delivered in a huge way, so he's not on the hot seat now. And, in fact, he's recruited so well. It's basically Clemson, Florida State, and we'll see who else is good. We'll see. I mean, there are plenty of who think they can be good. But I, I think the conversation starts with Clemson and FSU. In fact, Norvell just got an extension to his contract, did he, DG? I believe he did, yes. So there and, you and go. understandably so. You know, the guy, that's how it works, right? You're you're on the hot seat and a couple steps away from possibly getting fired. Uh, you have a big year and you tell the administration, if you want to keep me, remember Jimbo Fisher told the FSU administration, you need to do A, B, and C to keep me. And, and they didn't do A, B, and C, and he took off for Texas A&M. So Florida State views itself as a national championship program. They had the two under Bobby Bowden. They had the one under Jimbo Fisher. So they're not going to let a coach 
fly fly the coop, you know, especially after a really good year and heading into what they think could be a special season. Yeah, I, I back to the divisions. I, I don't like it typically doing away with the divisions. I understand why it's being done to make sure you have the two best teams playing for the championship and have a higher chance of making playoff, et cetera, et cetera. But if there's one league that, to me, it doesn't matter about divisions, it's the ACC. The, the league is still, uh, compared to a lot of leagues, still makes geographical sense, and you can pretty much pair anybody together, and, and it doesn't look too stupid. Well, I'm with you I'll on you. Yeah. I'm sorry, David. I yeah, that's yeah. all good. The ACC needs to do as many things as it can to upgrade its football product. Yeah. That, that's the bottom line. It's so far behind the SEC and the Big Ten. It's just – it's got to it's got to create you know early season interregional games and other things that their TV partners like because they're they're really behind financially right now. Yeah, and the other the other conference that really, in my opinion, needs to consider doing away with the divisions is the Big Ten because the way it's it's structured, you have Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State mm-hmm. on one side of that conference, fellas, and you wind up inevitably like this year, you wind up with a Purdue, right? Uh, no offense to Purdue, but they are not the second best team in the Big Ten. So, you know, it does make some sense as you look around the country and you see these types of matchups. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Well, UCLA and USC coming in, I don't know what the hell kind of divisions they would have anyway. And that, yeah, they'll, they'll go in the West, I would think. But uh, well, they do. you would think. <laughs> but it, I mean, it, I it still doesn't make any sense geographically. No, no. Hey, DG, speaking of uh, realignment, uh, there's talk this week with uh, Pac-12 uh, for SMU at San Diego State uh, to go to the Pac-12. Um, I Not heard, what I would do if I was the Pac-12. I would take one of those schools. I wouldn't take the other. I Yeah, I uh, I had heard there was uh, talk about the Pac-12 wants to get on the Eastern time zone. They want to get Eastern teams because of they don't feel like if it's a Heisman race or the, there's uh, the Kyles of the world and the Bubba's of the world, they'll be able to – three o'clock in the morning, early Sunday morning, still watching games, but most of their fans, most of watching them, Mountain West. Must have yeah. Well, I know, I know you do, but, um, but I'm at the West coast games, yeah. if you will. Um, they, but I've heard that. Would you do that? If you're a uh, pac 12 is to expand all the way to the Eastern time zone for recruiting, for watching the games, like a, you could have a noon kickoff that way or a three o'clock, three thirty window. I would take SMU and Tulane. I would consider it for possibly different reasons. And the long story short is we, we often use the phrase that a lot of people don't like power five conferences, right? In football. The reality is it, it's now a power two. it's the sec and the big 10 making so much more money than everybody else that they are playing in a different universe. The next of the next three, the big 12 and the ACC are doing okay. The PAC 12 is the one in big trouble in part, because the Pac-12 network has been an absolute disaster. I mean, you know, the, the ACC network is in 50, 60, 70 million homes. The Pac-12 network, the last I saw, was in less than 10 million homes. I mean, you can't possibly have a functioning economic model, which, you know, it's, it's a TV channel and things are moving to streaming, but it still matters to have a presence, right? Because, you know, the ACC the ACC network on traditional TV carries some games, but 
ACC Network Extra streams some lower profile games in, in the bigger sports and a lot of other sports. You still need that brand. And the Pac-12 has royally screwed it up. The Big Ten channel, or Big Ten Network has been a success. The SEC Network has been a success. The ACC Network took a long time, but eventually became a success. And the Pac-12 is just drowning now that they're losing UCLA and USC. You know, arguably their two biggest brand names. Their channel is an absolute disaster. And I know for a fact that they just had exploratory talks with the ACC about not like a merger, but some kind of a scheduling alliance where Pac-12 products were going to be on some kind of an ACC network partnership because mm. their own channel was going so poorly. Um, that didn't happen, obviously, but that's why that's why the Pac-12 has to consider these things. It's it's trending toward number five among what used to be called the Power Five, and that's not where they want to be. And that's why they have to look at expansion and realignment. I'm just not sure, as we've discussed in the past, you know, you don't just add schools to add schools. They've got to bring more value to the table in terms of their football exposure or just a winning tradition or whatever. It all starts with football and you got to bring more to the plate than you're taking as another mouth to feed at the trough. And all due respect to San Diego State or SMU or anybody else, I don't know who's out there besides Notre Dame as a full-time member who hasn't already been picked up. You know, Oklahoma and Texas were really valuable commodities in the Big 12. Guess what? The SEC knew that and got them. Southern Cal and UCLA were really, really valuable commodities. Big 10 saw that and went out and got them. Um, you know, long ago, ACC went out and got Florida State. They needed a football upgrade. They got it in the early 90s. Um, I just don't – I'm not sure who brings more than they take at this point. Um, but the Pac-12 may be in desperation mode right now. Yeah, if I was the Pac-12 to get more East Coast attention, and I, they ain't going to come all the way East. But really, SMU, you get the Dallas market. That may help with Pac-12 TV expansion if you can get down into Texas. A lot of people down there. Um, Tulane's red hot right now. They're a private school. Uh, the the, the Pac-12 is all about academics, supposedly. So Tulane fits that profile. They bring the New Orleans market in. Um, if, if I was the Pac-12, and I'm an East Carolina fan saying this, and a lot of, a lot of our listeners are going to get mad at me for saying this, I would take SMU and Tulane. It would destroy the American. That would be it. We would be Sunbelt bound. But uh, that's, that's what I would probably do. And speaking of uh, East Carolina, is there uh, – I mean, is – do you stay in the American? If uh, I mean, no, that's I don't because if you if you if we lose SMU at Tulane, the TV money is going to go away. The TV money is going to go away when the current contract's up anyway in twenty eight. But if we lose we lose SMU at Tulane, we lose two of our biggest media markets. I think the TV contract would be renegotiated <laughs> prior to twenty eight. The TV money would go away, and I think the travel costs would offset the move to go into the Sun Belt. I think it would be the logical thing to do at that point. Well, I think the reason why um, Oresco didn't go our route of picking a Marshall, the ODUs of the world, uh, teams like that, is because the ESPN told him, if you want to stay at the uh, the level you are now as far as the TV money, these are the schools you're going to have to pick. So like the uh, Birmingham's, the, the biggest city in Alabama, UTSA, even though North Texas, we already have SMU, you still get the Texas market there, the Dallas market. Like I think they told him, I don't know necessarily that he – 
he did have a choice, but I think he went with the bigger markets because that's what ESPN told him to do. I don't know. That's my yeah. I, I agree with you, Dave. But I think if we lose SMU and Tulane, and I'm the only one talking about Tulane going to the Pac-12, keep that in mind. I, I think the TV contract is done before 28. I think it's going to drop dramatically. No doubt. Well, DG, I'm looking at the time. We went way over than uh, usual. Um, but we wanted to ask you before we let you go, big Eagles fan, I had to save the tough question for you. Who wins Super Bowl 57 in Arizona on Sunday night? I got to take the Eagles. And even if I wasn't a fan, I certainly wouldn't bet a lot of money on it because I, I do think – they're two of the best offenses in the NFL, and they're pretty darn good on defense too. Um, but beyond my sentimental vote for the Eagles, I just think they're the slightly more balanced team. Uh, to me, the only way the Chiefs win is if Patrick Mahomes is truly healthy on that ankle, can evade what is a really good Eagles pass rush, and expose one of the Eagles' only weak links, and that is they have problems against scrambling quarterbacks who improvise. Um, that's the Chiefs' route to victory. Can they execute it? They could. But I think the, the better, smarter bet, the higher percentage bet, is Eagles over Chiefs by whatever. And I hope that's the case because I'm hosting a Super Bowl party, and uh, it's going to be really, really quiet around here if the Eagles lose. <laughs> It's kind of like election night where your candidate doesn't win. Everybody, yes. leaves, everybody leaves after half Great time. analogy. That's exactly right. <laughs> and how, how can people find your work? We're hoping again. One of these days I'll get, get you back on some kind of broadcasting thing, selfishly so I can hear you. Uh, miss, uh, miss the show a lot, but how can people find your work, my friend? Yeah, I have uh, a really fun column that I write at a website here in North Carolina called chapelboro.com. Uh, at this stage of my life, because I have a, a variety of things going on, including teaching at UNC Wilmington, I, I just needed somebody that kind of let me write as at my own frequency. And Chapel Borough has been a great partner in that regard. So it's chapel and then B-O-R-O.com. And folks can always, always follow me on Twitter at David Glenn Show. I always link to other writing that I do elsewhere, other appearances that I do, podcasts, radio, etc., so if you want to follow me and, and all the work that I'm still doing, including my radio visits all over the place, I still, I'm still on the radio every day. I just don't do it on my own show anymore. Um, DavidGlennShow.com is the best place to follow. Is that, is that Chapel Borough There's, name? Is, is that a reference to uh, UNC actually being in Carborough instead of Chapel Hill? It's, I be, it's a combination of, you know, they, they do a lot in Durham County, Orange County. Hillsborough is over there. Oh, Carborough is over there. So there's some – there's some chapel and there's some borough going on, and somebody came up with chapelborough.com. Gotcha. I was not involved in that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if we need some legal advice, or uh, I'm going to pick up the phone and have you on speed dial if we get in trouble with talking about the Super Bowl. We of course. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. We'll see how Super Bowl 57 goes, and love to have you back on again soon. Thanks. I always enjoy being with y'all, Kyle, Bubba, Matt, Dave. Anytime. Keep up the good work. Thanks, DJ. You got it. it. Hey, thanks so much, David. Take care. You got it. You too. Right, bye bye. Dave, Dave, is he the I can't say that word. Consigliere to the uh, sports objective. Is it what? Consigliere. Come on, Dave. It's a little Italian for you, Dave. Yes, thank Help you. Dave. I didn't know that. <laughs> right, that's the first time I've ever heard that whole thing. I, I'll tell you guys. I, Explain I, it to I, him, Matt. Yeah. Well. 
he's like the boss, the boss, right? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's the advisor. He's who you go to when you got a problem. That's right. I got you. I got you. Now I understand. Okay. I learned something tonight. All right. So, guys, talking today, by the way, uh, talking to the ticket office today, very excited, checking on my um, baseball tickets. There are people out there, and I told the ticket office, I'll tell everybody today. So here's the deal. Um, sometime this week, maybe by Monday, for those that are panicking about your baseball tickets, no worries. Uh, you'll get your tickets. Uh, a lot of people are doing the digital. Um, I elected to go with the card because I want to have it in my wallet. I'm just nervous about uh, these things right here, cell phones. Um, so uh, sometimes your battery is dead or whatever. That way I can just show my card. I'm a little old school on that. Uh, but you'll be able to get your tickets. And uh, guys, check this out. A new record, over 2,700 season tickets sold for EC Baseball. I want to give a shout-out to, the, of course, the baseball program. But Coleman Spain, Parker Eason, everybody there at the ticket office, I told them they have a thankless job. Uh, congratulations to them. I think there's some tickets in the jungle, Bubba. Is that right? Uh, single game tickets in the – Yeah, there are. They're, they're going on sale this week. Uh, going on sale. And so we have that piece to talk about. So congratulations there. And uh, by the way, guys, the goal this year, uh, just so you all know, I checked again today, is 16000 for football season tickets. I'm hoping that like Bubba, uh, Bubba, I'm hoping we can get more than 16000 um, But you can get your tickets at 1-800-DIAL-ECU or ecpirates.com. In fact, ecpirates.com, you can go anytime like me uh, sitting at a computer. You can just go right there and get your tickets um, there. <laughs> Not the most appealing home schedule this year. It'll be interesting to see how ticket sales are. It really will. Yeah. And Brandon asked about that question about uh, what's the amount of uh, sold so far. Um, they're still on pace with uh, last year, um, and that's without NC State on the schedule. Um, so like um, like Kyle said, to be fair about season tickets, we don't have NC State at home. You, you're, losing, you're losing UCF. There's no Cincinnati. No, you, know, you know, you know, there, there's, there's even no Memphis this year. So, right. uh, the, the, the home schedule Marshall's appealing. I'd really have to go look at it. There's, I, I'm excited anytime the Pirates are playing. We could be yeah. playing, we could be playing a little citizens of the poor, but yeah, a lot of people really seem to care about the opponent. Yeah, yeah, you have Marshall, you have Gardner Webb, you have Tulsa, Tulane, SMU, and Charlotte. So you got that Tulane game, probably the most appealing outside of Marshall. And, and Matt, how are those mighty 49ers? Uh, how are they going to travel to, to Dowdy Fickle? Well, the whole world will be on their seat for that one, fellas, because when the 49ers travel, everybody pays attention. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see well, how that goes. Will that, be, will that be our Thanksgiving week? No, I actually, I heard, and I know the conference schedule has not came out yet, but I heard or read somewhere, and I don't know where this information came from or if I dreamt it that Charlotte is going to start their American Conference uh, campaign at East Carolina. I don't know if I dreamt that, made it up in my head, or what, because the conference schedule has not came out yet. Hey, hey Matt, I, I'm just wondering, like, I feel bad for Semenza because Matt's like, what do I do, fellas? I'm going to come down. I'm going to hang out with you. The first half, I'm going to pull for East Carolina, and the second half, I'm going to pull for the 49ers. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> teams? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you this. I do hope that we are. <laughs> their first opponent in the American so we can lay an absolute beating on them and send them back to Charlotte with their tail between their legs. So that's uh that's my wish there. Yeah, there's one thing I'll say to, to Coach Houston and I don't I don't ever really say this, but I'll say this. You better beat Charlotte. 
mean, yeah, mighty. If we lose to Charlotte, oh my God, it, it, no, exactly. it, it won't be as bad as losing to A and T, but it'll be pretty bad. No, there's a reason why. Not only that, Kyle, because of that factor, but also remember he was going to Charlotte, and then uh, finally he was kind of heading around that he wanted this job, and uh, Mo gets fired like a day or two later. Yeah, yeah uh, it, was, it was the next step. I don't think he's exchanging Christmas cards with the University of Charlotte. It was it was the next morning. It was almost it was almost done intentionally. I, I think that news was. I remember it being leaked coming out about five o'clock on a Thursday evening. You and I were and, talking. Remember that? Oh, yeah, and you called me and let me know Mo was fired, and yeah. uh, on Friday morning, um, and uh, about eleven thirty or so. Yeah. And uh, so it was a uh, it was a fast turnaround from supposedly going to Charlotte to uh, looking like, you know, we're firing Mo so we can get him in East Carolina. Hey, Matt, Kyle and I are like, that, and Bubba, we, that was our guy. So I'm talking to Kyle and I'm like, man, what are we going to do? This is like the guy that we wanted and like the perfect fit for East Carolina. And he's going to Charlotte, to Charlotte, to the 40, to Matt's favorite team. I remember we about said we better fire Mo's ass tonight. We wait until the next morning. <laughs> we were, it was, you know, Matt, I'm like, like positive. And when I heard that he was going to Charlotte initially, I was just, and that was so depressing to think that Charlotte beat us out for a head coach. I mean, that well, was. Well, my, my second choice would have worked out right if they went with it. Cause my second choice was, uh, was Shane Beamer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, so, who the hell knew I was right on that one. But uh, hey, two, two really good, two really good choices there. I mean, you, you couldn't yeah. go wrong with either one of those guys. I mean, so hey, at least it goes to show that we we kind of did it right in our evaluation process. Yeah. Do you mean me and do you mean the guys on the sports objective matter, East Carolina? I, I'm referring to the fact that you know it came down to to Houston and and Shane. Beamer. I, I don't know if it came down to Houston and Beamer. Just just in my brain, it did. Um, I, I don't know that Beamer was on. The rumor, Matt. Actually, if you remember, the rumor at the time, if it, it was going to be Houston or um, oh, uh, oh, craphead that said uh, Arkansas State. Now, <laughs> uh, what's his name, Bubba? Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Yeah. AKA, AKA craphead. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, well. Anyway, what were worked out, guys. And uh, speaking of which, by the way, guys. How about uh, the spring game coming up in uh, April? Are you going to be with us two weekends in a row? That would be asking too much, right, Matt? Well, the, UC, the UCF series is that weekend in baseball. That would be a good weekend to come. Oh, yeah. But you're going to already be in North Carolina the weekend before, right? I Well, I'm going to be in North Carolina that week for business. And uh, so, yeah, it works out perfectly with the spring game and baseball that weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. You're going to have your son fly down that weekend to, to go through the UCF series? Which weekend is that? Which weekend are you referring to? The Tom? spring game weekend. Oh, yeah. So, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll yeah. You're going to you have your son fly down since you'll already be here on business. Oh, oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it'll just be me for that one. So, okay. I'll, I'll be hanging out well, with you guys. I'll tell you what we can do is I'll fly you down on my jet and I can fly you down, yeah. Matt, and then we can go back and get Chase. How about that? Let's do it, man. Let's All do right. it. He would love to go. Yeah, it's called Frontier Airlines. I'm, I'm <laughs> Spirit. So I, I heard it's actually. I heard it's actually a weather balloon. So, a Chinese uh, weather balloon. That's Kyle? what I heard. That's what I heard. Day plots. Yeah, because that's how I make deliveries uh, for um, Uber. By the way, guys, I got I got to talk about this real quick. Well, I'll just say this: if I come in a Chinese weather balloon, you guys have permission to shoot it down. 
we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. What if you're delivering Chinese food, Matt? I mean, <laughs> will, you, will, will you have some uh, Kung Pao chicken and some egg rolls with you? I'm not going to shoot it down. Well, maybe it would so I could get the food. But, um, guys, this is and a Dave, great... you don't have to wait until I go over the Atlantic Ocean. You could shoot it down wherever you, where, wherever it needs to be. Okay, we got to watch for debris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, um, we need to way, change this topic quick. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to. So, did you guys see where East Carolina? This is we're all like like now in our forty somethings, but now they have this thing where, in fact, it was in our group text that we have for pirate fans, where literally they have this robot that's delivering food. Have you seen this on the campus? Have you? Uh, uh, I, I have not. No, no. But it's like, yeah, I saw something about it, Dave. And that's the weirdest thing. I haven't seen it, but people are talking about, our friends are talking about how they see these robots driving. Help me out, those that are in the chat, because they some of them are, they know what I'm talking about. They've, t- they've commented on it, but they literally see, like, going down 10th Street, you see this robot. Like, are you this- sure it's not John Gilbert? <laughs> no, <it's> not. <laughs> I love how everything goes back to Gilbert. Where did that come from? <laughs> Uh, Gilbert Gilbert's just very robotic. He's just very, he's just very monotone and kind of not an outgoing personality. Well, it really wasn't. It really was. It was just a little dig. It's not anything. No one, no one at the athletic department take offense. Gilbert's done a good job recently. And I wasn't even going there. I was talking yeah. about how crazy. I'm like almost fifty years yeah, old. Yeah, Gilbert's done a good job recently. That wasn't even a dig. It was just funny to me. Okay, <laughs> I was I was just talking about like how I'm an old dog. You know, you see like. All of a sudden, you're driving. You see this like robot driving like food from. It's supposed to be like on East Carolina's campus only right now. I think is my understanding, but it's just uh, crazy. I, I just thought it was. Uh, well, I guess well, Dave, I used to. I, I got used to. It's change. It's crazy, and I know this is going back like a little over a year ago. So Domino's Pizza, they're testing like in a few select locations. Oh yeah, it's a it's a special. Uh, Almost drone. like a drone. It's it's a self driving car that um, yeah. will actually drive to to the home. You know, you, you you order out for delivery, and this self driving car that's operated by like GPS um, will actually drive itself. I, that that couldn't possibly go wrong. Yeah, what? No, what no could rob that? <laughs> that could never be robbed, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it's gonna be. I know they had like three or four of them, like around the country in select spots. I'm curious to know how that's going. Like, if that's actually a success or not. I, I it, it sounds dangerous as hell to me, but uh, there, there you we go. go. There's the Domino's cars again. No, that's the robots at ECU. Yes, they so they they drive around delivering food. Those little they're little like cars. How yeah. big? How tall are they? And it, it's called the Grubhub app. How That's tall are they, tough. guys? Because look, looking at it compared to the fountain, it 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 looks like it's not very tall. Oh, it's about three foot tall. It's not tall at all. Because yeah. that, yeah, I haven't seen one in person, but uh, they're but that what I, the pictures I've seen are not very big, and I don't know. It's kind of it's strange, but I guess I've got to get used to the the times. I'm an old dog, so this is a new trick, and I don't know. It's just it caught me off guard. I've been meaning to talk about it on the show, and. And forgot to, so that's my old age, I guess. But yeah, th- there's uh, there's another picture. Um, won't be able to put it on the screen, but you know, there was a there's a student there at Jarvis Hall getting getting his food uh, from the robot, and and yeah, Kyle, it wasn't more than two and a half to three feet tall. 
I mean, literally, like, how do you know that you got the right kid, the right student? I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but. Bebop, Bebop is your name, Tommy. Bebop, Bebop. (laughs) There's going to be a few kids with the munchies late at night to tackle that thing and try to steal the pizza. Yeah, no crap. Uh, DoorDash and all that mess is is way, it's ridiculously high anyway. Oh, I was at the hospital the other day getting uh, chemo. And I ordered some Jimmy John's and like Jimmy John's is right by the hospital. Dave, you know that. And um, it was like 20 bucks with delivery for one damn sandwich and a bag of chips. It's a lot. Yeah, I know all about that. I, that's why I try really hard not to order out like Uber Eats and all that, because it, it can get, you know, if you think uh, places are expensive, then ordering out is uh, if people do that like every day. I don't know how they can afford it. Yeah, I don't either. And I'll tell you something else. So we got a comment here on the screen. Just ran us. So I'll hold the fault. So go ahead with the comment. No, Johnny Robertson, you know how he's the way other. He has uh, the website autoblog.com. It talks about a train. It's an autonomous robot. It's <laughs> uh, crossing, I guess. I don't know. Like, but uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. It's all kinds of stuff that could potentially happen. That's another thing where, again, I guess the train hits the robot at a crossing is what it's saying. Okay. That's interesting. Sorry. Anyway. I, uh, yeah, I was going to bring up, you talking about prices in Grubhub and DoorDash, and this is just a random thought. It relates somewhat to tailgating, though. Um, have y'all priced 12 packs of sodas recently? A damn 12-pack of Cokes the other day at Target was $7.19 for one 12-pack. Yeah. Kiss my ass. I mean, what in the world? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because there's some, I will say this, there are some companies, because I don't want to sound like we're anti-business, we'd love for you to sponsor our show, um, but there's some companies now that are on purpose that have been saying, yeah, we know that really inflation is not like affecting us, but because inflation has happened uh, over the last year, then they're like, yeah, we're going to go up on our prices. And I'm like, there's only so much you can go up and then eventually people are going to be like, okay, we're not, like you said, Kyle, we're not going to buy it anymore. Yeah. So, well, I told Jessica, I was like, you know, Dollar General's got Pepsi products, 12 packs, three for 12 and Dr. Pepper products, three for 11. I said, we're just going to drink whatever we can get from there. Screw the Coke products. There you go. And you should be drinking Pepsi anyway, right? Uh, I guess they sponsor uh, the pirates, but uh, yeah. And speaking you know. of which, thank you to the Minji's family. For their great donation, and guys, uh, well, I think sponsor the podcast, then I'll really go buy some Pepsi products. There you go, we can we can make it happen. Matt's the sales guy, so um, he and I are gonna like team up, and I know all four of us can, but that's a whole nother show, as they say, or uh, behind the scenes. But uh, guys, before we go, um, certainly with uh, let's talk about Pirates Unite, and we'll get out of here. I know a lot of people have been asking about. How much is going on right now with uh, there's so many families now stepping up, so many people stepping up a record year last year for the Pirate Club. Congratulations to them. But uh, how long do you think it's going to take to raise the uh, money for the indoor practice facility? There are a lot of people that are saying that uh, they were well on our way for the, the 20 mil for the practice indoor practice facility. Something we've been wanting for uh, March 1st is five years. We've been we've been talking about the indoor practice facility for five years, guys, on our show. And it'll be almost uh, soon that we'll get it. So you're asking how soon? I mean, I have no idea. I don't know how much money we've raised. But I would hope by 2025 at the latest. Well, the goal is, by the way, I want to tell you this. The goal that the Pirate Club has is to have all the money for the practice facility by the end of 23. So well, we'll let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. 
And Bubba, that number is 252-737. Is it 4540 off the top of my head? Yeah, that's correct. Call if, the you want, if you want to give me any money, my number is 252-521-4793. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, guys, I forgot to uh, thank you, uh, Matt. Let's talk about Super Bowl predictions. But Super Bowl 57, Eagles, Chiefs, who you got? Who do you have? And we'll get out of here. I'll jump in. I mean, I I just feel like the Eagles right now are a hot team. I mean, they 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 curb stomp the Giants. You know, they beat up on the 49ers. Um, they just have a ton of momentum. I feel like, you know, the Chiefs, they're not quite as explosive as they've been in the last few years. Mahomes is a little banged up. And when you get them out of Arrowhead, it, it's a different, it's a different thing altogether. So I just feel like I feel like this is the Eagles' year. It's a one and a half point spread. I'm going heavy, and I let me tell you guys, I hate Philadelphia. I hate the Eagles. No offense to DJ, I'm a Giants fan, but one and a half point spread. I'm all over the Eagles, and I think they're going to cover it easily. Well, so you think it's a blowout? I think they'll win by at least ten. Okay, all right, Kyle. Uh, I mean, I it's, I know nothing about either team. Honestly, I don't follow the NFL. Um, everybody's taking the Eagles, so I'll take the Chiefs just to be different. Yeah, Matt. You know, you and I. I'm a Commanders guy. I want to say the Eagles. I just have a weird. I don't know why. Maybe because I love Patrick Mahomes. Um, I love his his style. I think you're right about. I think the Eagles is overall the better team. I think that uh, DG stole my thunder with. Uh, talking about the Eagles' defense. Can they get to Mahomes? That was my my biggest concern about the game, if you're a Chiefs fan, is not only the health of Mahomes, but that Eagles' defense is way better than people are talking about. I'm going to just uh, – I'm going to lean – I'm going to pick the Chiefs on a, on a hunch, even though I think the Eagles are the better team. And I won't be surprised if the Eagles win, but I just have a fee- – just a – one of those like really tight games and Mahomes pulls out the magic at the end kind of thing. I could be dead wrong, but I've been wrong a lot on the show and we'll be continue to be wrong, but I'm going with the chiefs. Bubba, what about you? I'll go with the Eagles. I'm kind of like Kyle. Um, maybe not quite as extreme as far as not following the NFL. Um, I've watched it a little, but um, not really enough to, to know a whole lot about either of these teams besides how good they are. Um, and uh, I just like like Matt for some of the reasons Matt was saying. Uh, I'll take Philly. Isn't that funny? The, for those listening on the and for those watching on the left of the screen, the, those two guys, myself and Kyle, we pick we, we pick the Chiefs on the right side of the screen. That was not on purpose. Both of y'all picked the Eagles. That's 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 funny. It's a, it's a podcast divided. You got you got to be able to uh, you know it's the Super Bowl. You got to put some money down, you know, on something, right? So if you don't like the point spread, maybe the over-under, maybe some prop bets. That's what I was going to say. Is there any prop bets that you guys would, if you could wager, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, would you do any prop? I've never done that before. I just think it's fascinating to me, like, if there's going to be a safety, if there's going to be a touchdown before the first commercial break. They do all these kind of crazy. Who's who's doing the halftime show? It is, uh, um, hold on, hold on. Rihanna. Okay, over under is that the halftime show sucks ass. Uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 I do know Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, 
can, can we ever get anybody besides the God nobody? Can, can we get a rock band or some country artists? Is it always got to be a hip hop act going to damn Super Bowl halftime show? I mean, for God's sake. Well, what happened is they did this run of where after the whole wardrobe malfunction, they did a whole bunch of rock stars and then they stopped doing it. And then they've gone back to the MTV kind of thing. Um, I think it'll be a trend where they'll go back again to where they they do that. And I've even heard guys that the artist pays the suit in the NFL to do the NFL to do the uh, show if they have like a big concert, you know, like tour coming up. Yeah, to, I, I just don't. I just don't see anybody getting excited about Rihanna. I mean, I maybe I'm wrong, but I just. Do you guys know any big Rihanna fans? I don't. I don't. Matt is your daughter, son, big Rihanna fans. No, no, I won't watch a single second of it, to be honest. I'll switch over. Well, to- I might watch it. She's attractive. She's not bad to look at, but I'll mute it. I'll, I'll go over to the Puppy Bowl on uh, <laughs> A&E for a half hour. I, I just I have no interest in, in Rihanna. Yeah, I don't I don't mute it. I might mute it. But I don't I mean, look at her, but it, that's fine. But, no, nah, Stapleton doing the uh, doing the national anthem is pretty cool, though, Chris. I love Anyways, that. Yeah, great voice. No doubt. We'll have to maybe uh, next year. It's like wait until next year. Like my favorite teams, uh, they can win. We'll have uh, maybe a better Super Bowl halftime for sure. Do you guys have anything before we go and get out of here? Bubba, do you have anything? No, um, I guess what this weekend, Pirates return to action in basketball and very challenging game as Matt and I were discussing this afternoon uh, briefly about uh, – the Green Wave uh, down in New Orleans, and they're coming off a 101-94 win in overtime against Cincinnati. Yep, that's going to be a real tough one. Uh, by the way, um, got to give a shout out to our friend Kim McNeil, sixteen and eight guys for the women uh, this year. I'm a huge fan. I know personally that her uh, trainer, but Amaya Joiner, um, her trainer actually trains my son and daughter too. A uh, local guy here, Kyle from Williamston. Nice. But she um, she has been awesome. She has been awesome. And she if she doesn't win freshman of the year for the American, something is wrong because she's won it, what, Bubba, like three or four times? At least three times for, uh, freshman of the week. At least, and I think – I'm trying to remember how many double-doubles. I want to say what, at least eight oh, wow. or nine double-doubles now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The only thing that part of her game is I told her trainer um, if she could make some foul shots, she would have like 25 or 30 every game, like – she gets fouled so much. It's like fouling her, her, her free throw percentage, not to pick on her. is like 48 it was a couple weeks ago, like yeah. 48%. Um, something like that. But anyway, Hey so, guys, real fast. We're, oh, I didn't mean to get on camera. Jesus Christ. My reading was <laughs> on. Oh, so he's, he's trying, trying to, all looking close. He's trying to get like Harold Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny Russell's on there. But, uh, I, um, I was going to ask uh, favorite, uh, favorite Super Bowl food. How did I? How long was I on camera? Good God! Like ten seconds. Okay, no, well, a little cameo. Yeah, uh, well, part least, of my face. I had you for at least two or three minutes. I mean, oh, oh wow, wow, uh, horrible. <laughs> uh, favorite Super Bowl food, guys? I got got my wings. So I'm gonna be boring, but I love wings, 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 more wings. Mozzarella uh, sticks, mozzarella, fellas. I love those. Mozzarella. Can't go wrong with some mozzarella sticks. No, those. Hey, all the above. What do you like, Kyle? I'm a big wing guy like you. Uh, also, pizza, pizza wings. Um, and if I have the opportunity, which this year is going to be pizza and wings, but uh, also can kill some ribs. Hot wings, uh, Brandon Sis, uh, one of our 
uh, listeners and viewers. So on YouTube. Yeah, you can't go wrong with buffalo wings. Y'all like, y'all like flats or drums? Drums for me. But I mean, I can eat both. It doesn't matter. But hey, Bubba, what do you like to eat for the Super Bowl? Uh, in addition to wings, <clears throat> meatballs. Um, a good choice. Like a, a cheese ball. Uh, let's see. What about so like, like the cheese ball, like with the goo crackers dipping it in there? Yeah. Like a party tray. Like, like green pepper and pineapple and, and chopped pecans. Sorry. Pe- pecans, oh, 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 oh the cheese, on the cheese ball, you mean. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. yeah. I love it. That would be good. But we'll have, uh, that'll be fun. We can, I guess, talk next week about maybe your favorite food and favorite, uh, favorite TV commercial for the Super Bowl. Do you have one, guys, real quick? I know we're running long. Sorry, Bubba. Of all time, yeah, you have one off the top. Maybe the Pepsi commercial with um, what's her name from back in with the little boy, and uh, she was the model that was really popular back in the day. Oh, Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford. Yeah, the Cindy Crawford Pepsi commercial probably would be one that I remember from my childhood for certain reasons. Go ahead, Matt. What what reasons would those be, Kyle? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of, kind of made me grow a little bit at that time. What? Well, ironically enough, you know, mine was the the Dorito commercial with the uh, I, I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but uh, they, it was very similar to the Pepsi one. There was there was a gorgeous model on the uh, Ricky Dorito Spears. It, it was no, it, it was a. <laughs> she did a lot of Pepsi commercials. That's our no. You said Dorito. I'm damn. I'm still on Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. This is. I don't remember what, what year was this, Matt. Whew, man, the years I it's gotta be 10, 10 somewhere between ten and fifteen years now. It's it's going back a little. I don't I don't remember that. The the Dorito commercial I remember with the Super Bowl was more recent with the time machine. Crazy, yeah. They have more off the chart stuff kind of stuff now. My favorite is uh it's iconic nineteen seventy nine. Mean Joe Green. Mean Joe Green, yeah, with that was the first Super Bowl I remember. And then it's like a little kid. That kid was like my age. Um, so, I mean, I just Coke commercial, right? It was a Coke commercial where he actually tosses the Jersey to the kid and you're a little kid and you see like, I mean, the Steelers back then, as you guys know, was like a dynasty, with Terry Bradshaw and got uh, rest in peace, Franco Harris. But even though I was not a Steelers fan, they were huge back then. And so that commercial was, was at the time, you knew it was iconic. Even as a little boy, it was just like the wow factor was a 10. How about you, Bubba? Favorite sorry, trying to, uh, sorry, trying to unmute myself. I stepped away for a moment, but uh, uh, a few different ones come to mind. Um, some of the ones you guys have already mentioned. Uh, I would also say the Budweiser commercial with the frogs and Bud, that's, that's, Bud, yeah. Bud, Bud, Wise, Er, That is good. That was how about what's up? How about you're not getting my Bud Light, John? That one came. That one came to mind. I wasn't sure if that was a Super Bowl commercial or not. If it was yeah, a Super was. Bowl, okay. If that, well, that would probably be number one then. Um, but in addition to that, I would say Jordan and Bird playing horse. Uh, oh yeah, just because I was a big Larry Bird fan. That that was one. Yeah, McDonald's commercial. That was a well. I forgot about that one. Man, that was a good one. Hey, here's one for you. That we I'll play you for a Big Mac, right? Ain't that what it was? Yeah, all, all this, yeah, where they were doing crazy shots. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I remember that now. 
How about how about Terry Tate, office linebacker? You remember that one? Not off the top of my head. What was the commercial for? Terry Tate, office linebacker. It was. <laughs> yeah, I remember it, Matt. I I'm, vaguely, I had forgotten about it until you brought it up. But I, I'm trying to. I'm gonna have to look it up on YouTube now. But I definitely remember the. Uh, yeah, you, you have to check it out. I mean, so there was, it was a huge guy, like in an office setting with a shirt and tie, and they call him office linebacker because when somebody aggravates him, he just absolutely lays them out, like right in the office. Like I'm I talking. Why you would, Matt, I wonder why you would like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good one. I'll, I'll send it to you guys. Uh, okay. For those that don't know, Matt was a linebacker. That's why. <laughs> that's why I said that. All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, it's been fun. It's been real. I'll tell you what, we haven't done a show together. We did the show on Saturday with Mike Rooney. We missed you, Semenza. Um, that was a lot of fun. We, hey, it's only a week away for college baseball for ECU. That's why I have the background for those listening. You don't see it, but it's uh, there in the jungle. Thanks to Bubba. Appreciate that picture very much. And uh, good, good luck to the Pirates. It's going to be a great season for baseball. Just pray to God no injuries or very limited injuries, and I think we can go far. And we'll see how that goes. But uh, we got a lot of great guests, by the way, coming up too, right, Bubba? And I want to give a shout out to um, future programming. We've got, I know um, we'll have extra innings here pretty soon, Bubba, in a few days, right? Yeah, we'll have that probably, uh, well, obviously not Early Sunday next night, week. but um, th this week it will be maybe Monday or Tuesday. But trying to get the George Washington head coach, Coach Ritchie, on uh, to talk about the. Uh, Colonials, aka uh, hippos, to be, uh, and then hippos in waiting. <laughs> yeah, hippos in waiting, and and uh, we'll also have head track and field coach Kurt Kraft on. Um, some pirates doing some some good things, I believe, up in Blacksburg at a meet against Virginia Tech and others, and then also uh, Coach Connors. Uh, he's been knocking it out of the park with. Yeah, with some of these former pirates, he's been having on. Obviously, their archived interviews on with Coach Logan, Emac, Junior Smith, Jeff Carr, as well as his wife uh, Misty Horn Carr, who played basketball for the Pirates. But then Terrell Williams, Rod Coleman, and this coming Monday, uh, Vontae Leach. So um, just go to our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe. And when you do, uh, you'll be able to see our our playlist for absolute empowerment with coach Jeff Connors and all of these interviews as well as more that I just referenced are uh, easily, easily accessible. Yeah. I wonder if somebody would like to tell Jeff Connors, he's putting out useless content. <laughs> Who would say that? Uh, by the way, they voted down hippos on January 24th, Johnny Robertson. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They're going to say the colonials. We've been giving no longer hippos in waiting. No. Okay, so no hippos and waiting. Johnny Robinson knows way too much about this situation. Uh, you know, he's the one that told us, I believe, the story about the hippo on campus, and uh, he uh, he now knows it's been voted down. So, I, I, why is he so up on George Washington athletics? What 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 is now, the story? Johnny? He's from Virginia. Are they uh, are they going to remain the Colonials or what other nickname in waiting? Do they have any other options that were on the table? They're going to be the two cans. Oh, they want something with more of a positive image. Oh, my God. Okay. A positive image? Then what's what negative about a freaking hippo? I don't know. Johnny's a wealth of information. For well, what do they mean a positive image? What the, 
He plays softball in D.C. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, cool. I guess. So. Are you a politician, Johnny? Um, <laughs> I. Uh, what do they want to be? The 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 George Washington smiley faces. I don't know this. They uh, can be. They can be the George. They can be the George Washington pronouns. Oh well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> let's get out of here before we get more in trouble <laughs> for sure. Uh, that's uh, another debate for another time, guys. Thank you so much, Matt. Looking forward to having you down soon. It won't be too long for the uh, for the spring game and see some baseball and hanging out. And uh, we're going that so we'll do that in April. Uh, you can just go to ecpirates.com to find out about the spring game, and that's going to be at 11 a.m. By the way, guys, that late morning. And uh, I'm sure we'll be tailgating and having a good time. So it sounds like fun. All right, we'll get out of here. Thanks to all our great sponsors. We'll talk about that too. Uh, PGXgloves.com. We appreciate them. Thanks to Kevin Walker. Um, appreciate Kevin for the support of the program too. And uh, I know that he's done a lot of great work. And I'll tell you what, if I if I, I was going to win the Powerball there, Kevin, but I didn't make it at $700 million, I was going to go give you a call. LNK Custom Homes. Give him a call at 336 336- 688-8461 and we appreciate KK's support of the program for the last couple of seasons he's been the man so appreciate you Kevin and then pgxgloves.com um, hey Kyle I know a lot of people want to get those custom baseball gloves baseball season is uh, right around the corner uh, yeah. a lot of stuff there right yeah you can get your custom baseball gloves for your kids they're playing little league ball maybe maybe softball gloves uh, maybe maybe you need some custom gloves for the golf course Maybe you want to be like Michael Jackson, want one custom-made glove that's bejeweled so you can moonwalk across the golf course. But it, for whatever you need, they'll hook you up at pgxgloves.com. Just put in promo code ECU at checkout, and you save yourself 25%. All right. Appreciate it, uh, Kaz. I need to get up with you, Kaz, about my kids. They're going to be playing uh, baseball and softball coming up in uh, April, so late March and April. So look forward to that. All right. So, uh, appreciate everybody. Look forward to uh, baseball season we talked about and Super Bowl 57. Hopefully everybody has a safe holiday weekend. I think the Super Bowl is a holiday, so it might as well be uh, the most watched television program of the year for sure. We'll get out of here. Thank you so much for watching the Sports Objective and listening to the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.